This is CliffCentral.com. present and first uh, should we start with an apology Jonathan because our immune systems have been expropriated mm. uh, without compensation yes. and we have been infected with disgusting viruses um, that make me sound like I've just well, even out, worse than usual that, actually that I've just come out of a gulag uh, after 12 years so I do apologize if I sound atrocious uh, for this hour podcast but I'm here aren't I fuck so give me a bit of slack <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, also just getting over some something. I don't know what the hell that was, but uh, a bit of a cough as well, so and a bit of a gruff voice. So apologies, but let's get on with uh, the content of the show. You have a whole list there. I have no idea what we're discussing, but it's three uh, bullet points for goodness' sake. Uh, but uh, but let's get on with it. Let's, let's so, talk. This is our last show for the year. We should probably tell people. Right. Uh, so we had a, a guest booked, um, and she sort of pulled out. Well, she, didn't, she just didn't respond. Uh, but we hope to have her back. She's a very important journalist, um, and we will hopefully have her sometime in the new year. She, I saw she just released a story last night on a Sunday. So we'll give her charitable. We'll be charitable. We assume she's busy. Yeah, busy lady. And uh, we'll hopefully get her back. So, unfortunately, uh, people of the internet, this will be our last show for the year, not ever, just for the year. And I must admit, it's been a phenomenal year for the podcast, but not for the country. And we're going to talk about the country, not the podcast. Yeah, if you sort of plot South Africa's growth path against the Renegade Report, it's like an inverse uh, graph um, of each other. So, just, But not in terms of money, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, what do you want to talk about? Right. So I think I think there was a, a case last week where Jeremy Nell, who we all know, the cartoonist, was fired from from Alta, whom we know as well, yeah. for f- so called being racist. Um, now, this some, is some uh, context though. He didn't do tons of work for them, and he hadn't done a lot of he hadn't done work for a couple of months for them. Yeah, so it wasn't like this massive. First, beside the point, yeah. really. The, the fundamental thing is he got fired for purportedly being a racist. Mm. Now. This is one, just one small example, but it's, it's indicative of a greater ideological wind that's running through, through the country at the moment, where, for me, this is the NDI'd work. Uh, so you have people who, who go through social media posts, they go through Facebook posts, they, tr- they select a target, this case germ they say okay which who does germ work for who does he work with uh okay which of his clients really care about the image in the public oh civil activism outer will care deeply about the image right they are corruption busters so they don't want to be seen to be associated with right wingers um as opposed uh supposedly so you got these people they they tag outer in tweets with Facebook posts that Joe made that are out of context, of course. Then they tell their mate at the Citizen to write an article about, about why is out, outer is being slammed for using a right wing cartoonist. That is the literal headline as if there's something wrong with being right wing. Outer reads the article. They say, Oh, we are not, uh, for racism. So we won't work with Jim anymore. Now, someone loses their job and income based on two tweets and an 
literally like a fake news article. Um, and this is a very clear strategy that's being used by, I would argue, and I think I know who it is. Um, well, there's allegedly a group of people. Right, allegedly. And allegedly the, the head of that group of people recently passed away. Uh, but Gillian Schutter is involved. Uh, you know, that, that woman that killed that black man by throwing him off a waterfall. Allegedly. Uh, well, the MPA is so useless they don't, you know, bring her to, to court to face that, but she's one of them. So it's, it's shadowy figures trying to destroy people that are on the opposite side of the political spectrum. Instead of just having an open discussion and argument with them. Right, right. Mm. It's accusation of racism. It's been happening for 20 years. And then once you be called a racist, that's what you are for the rest of time. The most interesting part is Alta does so, uh, fires Jim without a hint of an investigation. <laughs> Like not even. Yeah. It's it's from what I saw, and I you know I wasn't following too deeply, but as far as I could tell, there was one account which they had responded to, which is essentially an anonymous account, and there's no name linked to that account. It does have, I think it's in the few hundred followers, so it's not like completely bot, but <laughs> you know it's 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 a it's a relatively small anonymous account. Posted to out and said, why are you, uh, why do you work with and hire and associate with, with this guy who's a racist, basically? And Arta then responds and goes, uh, well, we don't and we no longer work with him. Uh, we've, we've decided to, we, you know, we've parted ways. Right. And the CEO of Arta, Wayne, was on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah. Good and, podcast. Right. And, and he's a good chap. I think he does good work, but I spoke about the NDR and he didn't get it. Yeah. And that's when I thought to myself, oh, Wayne, you know, Arta is ripe for infiltration. Um, and the NDR is, is important in this discussion because something like Arta is a, is a, an institution with a lot of resources. They make, I assume, a few million rand a month in donations. They do good fights and they fight against ETOL corruption and all that. If you are the ANC, or if you are a sort of a leftist, you would look at such an institution and be like, hmm, that's a good resource pool to draw from. I mean, you can still be a, you can still be a leftist and say ETOs are wrong. And you yeah. can still be a leftist you, and say you can corruption be, is terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's not an ideological uh, battle. It's a, it's a policy battle. It's a mm -hmm. legal battle mm. at the end of the day. But you can still use the institution of ALTA to fight corruption. But you can use it as resources for your for your view or for your mates or for institutions you want to fund mm. through it. So if you – and that's the key thing. If you don't understand the, the national democratic revolution and the way they infiltrate and take over institutions, this is a key way to do it. And uh, I'm not saying Alta is, is being infiltrated or not, but I just think the greater battle of ideas, one must be cognizant of the fact that the – Things that you fund as ordinary members of the public could be working against you in the long term. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good it's a good point around. We've we've discussed this national democratic revolution on many shows, and I constantly find myself up against people not understanding the entire concept. It's kind of as if even smart people that we've had on the show um, who are on our ideological side of the issues um you know some people are <laughs> they're in the kruger park and they're looking at the cheetah and it's it's 400 meters away 
and they're looking, just looking at it with their eyes. And then there's some people who are like, no, let me use, I can use binoculars to do this. And they're, they're looking at the cheetah with binoculars. And then there's some people who are, uh, actually seeing the entire picture through a drone. So they see the cheetah and they see the, the prey that the cheetah is going after. Um, and then there's some people who are basically looking at it through a satellite and they're seeing Google the Earth. cheetah, the drone, they're seeing the cheetah, the prey. Uh, but then they're also seeing the hyenas that are in the background waiting for the cheetah to take the prey down and steal the prey. And so this is the problem is that the NDR is the satellite picture. Um, if you, if you understand that the greater goal of all these people and in multiple different factions and people, people that were for Jacob Zuma, people that were against Jacob Zuma, people that are in the BLF, um, people that are in the EFF, people that are in the DA, um, these, you, 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 you don't have to, if you just see those people as in each of those parties doing their little things, you're just looking at the cheetah with your eyes. Yeah. Um, if you understand that these people might go about things different ways, but their ultimate end goal, their greater picture for life and the way things should work in this country and in the world, in fact, is that satellite picture. It's that national democratic revolution that ultimately applies to everything. Yeah. And um, the more people that understand that and start analyzing scenarios and analyzing um, current events through that picture. It's the same as if you want to look internationally, if you, if you understand the whole globalism idea and the problems that globalism potentially presents, it's the same concept. It's like, is an EU army a good idea? Well, if you're just looking at the cheetah with your eyes, sure. seems like a good idea. It seems like a more peacekeeping, yeah. you know, but good idea. But you only talk about the army. But it, but if you understand like a global army for for that continent, which is Hitler's idea actually, um, then then you might start seeing some problems. And and so I just think, uh, and I, I hope we've been successful in this on the show through the year to open people's eyes to a bit more of what's happening in the background. Right. Right. If South Africa is a chess board, we are a, we are a pawn. I'm a pawn. Jonathan's a pawn. You might be a pawn on it. And we think we have sort of independence of what we're doing. <laughs> oh, you know, EWC is coming up. We are going to fight it and we'll go to court. And EWC is maybe like 10% of the whole strategy. Yeah. You, you, you're moving one block at a time where your enemy has already seen 50 blocks ahead of you. Mm. But what they're doing. So they say, okay, EWC is the way to go. You fight them. You put them back one block on the chessboard, but then they'll take three blocks to the side and 20 blocks forward on something else. Oh, the NHI or the mining charter or, oh no, BE mm. must, must come in as well. Well, before the show, we we're discussing, you know, who finds BLF? Because the Guptas are gone, right? Supposedly. The, the, the Guptas are gone, supposedly. Fine. Let's assume they're, they're not really pumping tons of cash into the country anymore because they've got their value out of the country. They're, they're right. unlikely to get too much more out of it. Yeah. Certainly not in billions. I they're mean, like, as parasites, they fall. Yes. Um, and they're living a good life, apparently, in Dubai. People see them at parties and, and, and living the high life. Um, <clears throat> so who's funding a tiny little party called Black Land First? Uh, spewing stuff like uh, Andile seemingly did, I think, this past weekend, where he he mentioned that um, he he asked his supporters to kill white people, kill their women, uh, kill their children, kill their dogs, um, and the who's funding that? Who who's paying? Who's paying for him to stand on a stage 
Who's paying for the PA system? That's a sort of 10,000 rand setup. Who, who gives them the money? Yeah. Now, if you, if you want to be a little bit conspiratorial, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, maybe the ANC is funding that. Something maybe maybe the yeah. ANC funds that and they fund someone who's so radical, so far left radical that when the ANC comes out and proposes a normal leftist kind of view, the average person who's heard this guy talking about killing people goes, you know what? He says he wants to kill me and take the land. You guys just want to take the land. I tell you what, that sounds very reasonable. Take the land. Ramaphosa must, you know, we have to give a big mandate sure. to Ramaphosa. And, and, and in, in essence, the Jacob Zuma presidency did that for Ramaphosa. We saw that with Ramaphoria this year. Yeah. We saw that the birth that was given, the white birth that was given to Ramaphosa, I don't think any president really in history, well, I mean, since Mandela, even, even Mangagwa in uh, Zimbabwe after uh, Mugabe hasn't been given that kind of wide birth. Um, and p- people have been le- not so trusting of him and his history and whatever. Um, Cyril Ramaphosa was no different in his sort of relationship to Zuma and how close he was to yep. that government and how close he was to the levers of power that, that, that plunged us into what now everyone suddenly recognizes as 10 years of sort of darkness. Um, and Ramaphosa gets given this wide berth. Um, it's, he's going to do amazing things. Uh, and well, I'm still waiting and I keep getting told by people, you know, no, no, he's, you know, 40 chess. Um, it's all 4D chess, uh, you know, 4D underwater, upside down hippo chess. Um, but, but it, it, it just doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. No, no, I think the Zondo Commission actually has hurt him in the long run more than anything else. But I mean, don't, don't assume for one second that the EFF, BLF and ANT are connected because of course they are in some way or another. Mm. Okay. Uh, the media loves to say, oh, Mazzotti paid for this and Mazzotti, you know, Julius is living in Mazzotti's mansion. Mazzotti is probably like best friends with many members of the ANC. Um, and it's, you can use Mazzotti as a distraction from what is actually, actually happening with the relationship between the EFF and the ANC. Sure. I mean, if, if, um, if, if Julius Malema is so, so wild and so radical and so not related to the ANC, why when they, they have that uh, global citizen conference, um, um, concert and they invite all these people from all over the world and, and Patrice Motsepe, who's a, Basically, a long-standing ANC uh, supporter. Um, Cyril, he's, he's a president's brother-in-law, isn't he? Well, yes, and for other reasons as well. Um, Cyril is there as well, and guess who? Guess who's there as well? Julius, yeah, the six percent politician. Backstage, oh, VIP. was Musi Maimani there? No, no, he wasn't. Um, so, so you know, these 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 are things that you just kind of got to open your eyes and start seeing the realities of of of. Really, the the actual relationships and and how people leverage um, their network to benefit their ultimate goals and and as I say, what the global ultimate goal is, which is which is the NDR. Yeah, well, but for but for a South African context, do not underestimate the strategy and the ideology of of power. Uh, the DA does the same, right? I'm sure the DA funds some things that sort of. Can oppose them in some way to make themselves seem moderate compared to that. Uh, this is, this is all good strategy and politics. As much as the ANC is incompetent in various things, they are very good at strategy. Um, they must not, they must, must not be underestimated, uh, in this regard. So we went from outer and germ, like the, this no, larger, exploded this into. larger theory, <laughs> but it's very important that if you're not aware, you're just a leaf in a hurricane of ideological 
battles, right? Uh, you must become that, that firmly planted tree and understand you're being treated as a pawn and you can't fight it. Um, and you can do so by, you know, giving us uh, some money. So if you go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash, I'm joking. Do you want to talk about the Patreon thing actually? Because uh, that's becoming a bit controversial. We, we didn't talk about it before, actually, yes. Uh, so Patreon, uh, Banned Milo Yiannopoulos first after 24 no, uh, hours. Milo, yes, Milo and La- was Lauren Southern before? She, yeah, but she was banned a long time yes, ago. Yes, Lauren Southern was about a year ago. Right. Um, sorry, just I just want to talk about the Lauren Southern case because I think it's interesting. I'm not a big fan of Lauren Southern. No, me neither. Um, and uh, f- for a number of reasons. I-, I think she's more provocative than content full. <laughs> so, um, but, but she was banned because of what – Patreon called manifest observable behavior, which, uh, I think we watched the same YouTube video yesterday. No, I, I haven't watched oh, anything. So I got another cut latest. Oh, okay. Very good. Um, so if that's a good video, then I, you should go watch it. But basically her manifest observable behavior, which was their way of saying the way you behave in the world, yeah. um, uh, was that she was on a ship on, not a ship, a boat actually. And there was a supposed migrant ship. Um, that was bringing migrants and they stood in the path of the migrant ship, um, which caused a safety issue. And, and, and there was claims that, you know, there were sick women and children on the ship. And Lauren Southern was basically standing in the way of these people's welfare. And so they patch on through her on that basis. A year later, what's quite interesting about that is those ships have been stopped. Uh, from moving because there's a lot of uh, suspicions and allegations of child trafficking uh, and people trafficking and uh, drug trafficking. There's a whole bunch of nefarious things that have been linked to all of that. So it 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 it, it kind of changes the picture on on what Lauren Southern was banned for, and it makes it a lot less legitimate, in my opinion. Um, now they, they, they go after Milo Yiannopoulos, who, as far as I understand, is now ruined. I mean, as far as I understand, he's, yeah, he's pretty $4 much million, dollars, but, but they say he was, uh, associated with the Proud Boys, which the FBI said are a local terrorist group. Except the FBI never said that. Exactly. Yes. The, so the, the newspapers reported that the Proud Boys were an FBI, the FBI had them on their terrorist watch list. Right. Which is quite an indictment because, um, as far as I know, Antifa isn't fully on the FBI uh, watch list yet. They are on certain state watch lists. But, um, so, you know, that's quite a big thing. And as it happened, so they reported on it. They run with the lie. The lie gets repeated in multiple other, um, j- publications, which also run with the same lie. And as it happened, they were never on that watch list. Right. So they banned Milo for something that's fake. And then Patreon, uh, on Saturday, uh, took out Sargon of Akkad's, um, page. So Sargon of Akkad is a YouTuber from England. Carl Benjamin. Carl, his name is Carl Benjamin. I sort of like him. I find him a bit mellow, to be honest. And he's very laid back. I mean, Carl Benjamin, really, I, the guy, he, he, he calls himself a classical liberal. I think he is pretty much a classical liberal. But like in, 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 in the English sense. Yeah. Like he, he really doesn't say anything like. Yeah. Um, so, and they banned him. They banned him for him being on another person's live stream calling Nazis white niggers. Yes. He says, you're behaving like white niggers because, and the context of that is the way you talk about black people being the stereotype, the nigger stereotype, you're behaving exactly the same way that you stereotype black people, but you're white. So he did it to, to, you know, infuriate Nazis. So he's getting banned. 
for being on someone else's stream. Not on Patreon either. It was where, never where, on their where, site. where his Patreon funds are not being used at all on someone else's stream, and he gets banned for racist language. <laughs> yeah. How that connects to Patreon, I have no idea. Because it's not, it's not on, it's not on Sargon's channel. It's not on his, his band from Twitter. So but, it's not there. It's not on Sargon's Facebook page. It's on someone else's live stream. And he's infuriating. He's insulting Nazis. And know, he gets banned for insulting Nazis. Yeah. Proper real Nazis. Because he used, because he used the N word. But the, the issue is, is that the net now is becoming so wide on what you can, you know, the, the speech police, it's being entrenched. It's being entrenched. It's, it's entrenched now in Patreon. We've seen it entrenched in Twitter. We've seen it entrenched in Facebook, Google, um, as well. Apple, uh, CEO turns around, uh, a week ago and says they will not be allowing, uh, hate speech on their platform. Um, except we have no idea what hate speech is anymore because when someone uses uh, language to like mock Nazis, for example, and um, that's hate speech. Uh, it, really, the the lines are so blurred. Um, it, we see Kevin Hart not being able to host the Oscars because he, he 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 said, I think he said the word fag. I think. I think um, so. I don't know. Um, the word for cigarette, right? Um, <laughs> he, he said he said he, he said that ten years ago um, a, a, on a tweet or something like that. Um, so now he can't, and he's, I mean, he's a comedian, guys. Like, for fuck's sake. I mean, he, he didn't even say it in like polite conversation. He, he was, he made a joke. Okay. It, it isn't the funniest joke. Like, who cares? Like, Amy Schumer has an entire special, which isn't a joke. Like, like, seriously. Like, and uh, I might add that Amy Schumer has used the same words before. Um, and isn't being deplatformed at the moment. This is the problem with yeah. when you when you allow people to decide what is hate speech and what isn't. Is they will decide not based on any fixed criteria. Yeah, no, there's no foundation for what they think is hate speech or not. Um, so, so for us, Jonathan, we, this is the first time we're discussing it. We have to make a decision about Patreon. Yeah, sooner or later. Uh, uh, I'm inclined to think we should get off that platform. In time, personally. yeah, yeah. We, we need time. to look at it. Uh, we would love to hear what our, our listeners have to say. So if you have any uh, suggestions, info at renegadereport.co.za. Uh, we appreciate what Pratchon has done for us, but it's a, a principled stance. I'd rather lose money in the short term. Not that we make millions by any means. <laughs> and all that money is going back into the podcast. Uh, maybe use an alternative site or just have direct debit orders or PayPal or something like that. Uh, because... It's the same with the outer germ thing. Mm. We can get reported to Patreon for saying we said niggas three times in five minutes right now. Um, and we can get reported for that and Patreon will take down our page. Is that? There you go, leftists. Yeah. Go it, for it. There you go. So if that is, to me, principle matters a lot here. So in the new year, we might look at alternative ways uh, to get this podcast funded. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a warning before you do go to Patreon. Um, please do that because you will stress and affect this podcast um, overnight. Don't so. tell them the strategy. Uh. Tell them for fuck's sake. <laughs> we can't be that honest on our podcast, especially when Nicholas Bauer is listening. Yes. Now he's not going to tweet about us at all. Damn it. You see what you've Damn done. It. Come on, Nick. Come on the show, man. We still want you. <laughs> see what you've done want you. So it's the same principle as the outer germ thing, right? Mm. Um 
for for except Patreon this time is the one that's that's doing the cancelling. So yes, uh, so yeah, quite a lot of time on freedom of speech. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is a global citizen thing, and then there was like a, a, a bit of a a bit. There was like a. There was or- despicable violence. An orgy of violence and rape <laughs> and robbery after the fact. Um, no, no, with respect, I like, I don't think it's, I'm not laughing about it. I'm not trying to make a joke about it. But it, it points to a very particular thing I want to talk about. The, what my friend calls the Lagosification of Joburg. So I've never I think, been to, I think I know which friend this is. I've never been to, I've never been to Lagos and I have no hope in hell. Uh, I have, there. yes. Oh, have you been? There? I have been to, to Lagos and uh, to other places in Nigeria. Um, Quite spectacular. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. <clears throat> My barber's Nigerian and he had a shop there yep. and he spent all his profits on bribes, generators, um, and bribes again. Like he couldn't make a profit because yeah. something Always fucked up. Fully and, imagine that. and there was no contracts and there was mm. nothing. So you came here and. Incredibly entrepreneurial people. Absolutely. I have to, I mean, some of the things I saw. people in the country. Yeah. Some of the things I saw in Nigeria, just, just in terms of their, 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 their free market enterprise. Yeah. Um, just unbelievable. And I think if you took the government away, um, if you could make that country into your anarchy. Yeah. Um, I think it would be quite incredible because <laughs> they will literally just like take bricks and build like a store on the side of like the highway like i'm not joking like yeah, on the side of the highway I've, I've, and I they and on a sunday night they are running that store till 11 o'clock in the evening right. um just unbelievable entrepreneurial spirit uh but yes lagos is a very special so, place so just describe it so as far as i'm aware it is it is an absolute shithole and then you got pockets mm. of like sort of civilization like you got pockets like there's a mall and their yeah. houses, so, so for, and everything's really expensive. So firstly, I mean, just in Nigeria in general, and from what I understand, if you complete a building, you have to pay rates and taxes. Okay? Um, this is, uh, in a few African countries I've visited, apparently this is like the rule. But if the country is not complete, I mean, if the building's not complete, <laughs> the country too, but if the building's not complete, then you don't pay the taxes. So right. you often see these buildings, some of them which are very nice, but like the top story of the building will just be like not plastered at all. Or like have no windows yet Or there'll be something like that that's going on And you'll be like, what's going on there? And they'll just be like, no, they haven't finished the building yet um, So there's a lot of that Sometimes there'll be really nice buildings next door to a plot That someone's like literally sticking up Like that church that collapsed in Nigeria That killed all, the, all those people That you can, you can kind of see the, the building is swaying <laughs> Like it's, it's not stable um, Very, I've never been in a country where I felt claustrophobic like it's not a small country but there are a lot of people and you do feel like everyone is kind of on top of each other it's 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 such an odd kind of feeling obviously it's it's quite hot there as well it's very um equatorial sort of um temperatures sure. um humid and, and all of that um and yeah then you know all the stories you hear about traffic and the driving i i was um the one trip i took there i was on a, a sort of minibus type thing and we were driving down the highway and there were, there were vehicles and bikes coming straight towards us on the same side of, I mean, it's a highway, but nobody gives a shit. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of lawlessness in, in, in a lot of respects in that regard. A lot of kidnappings of rich, rich family. Yeah. Kids. So the one trip I went on, I actually had an escort. So I was in that minibus on this particular trip and, uh, in front of me, I had a, uh, four guys in a Hilux. Um, well, 
the four guys on the back of a Hilux and two guys in the front and um and the four guys on the back were all carrying AKs. Um because I went to to do some training for an oil company and and that's what they do to make sure you don't get you don't get kidnapped. So so the whole point of this yes. is that I my friend and I'm starting to believe this as well is that South Africa will turn out to be that way within the next 20 to 30 years. It sort of fits into the enclave system that France Crenier talks about. Yeah. But like the big cities have no hope in hell of actually solving any issues. So people would do it on their own accord, but they'll always be hamstrung by regulations or by, uh, gangsters or by something like that. So, yeah. so Heelbrow is actually sort of the model to follow. You yeah. can still live there, but it's not, it's not nice. It's quite dangerous. And then you have all these other, um, on the, on the outskirts, the suburbs will just become closed off. It's the anarchy where the guy with the biggest gun is actually the dictator, right? Um, in, in some ways, way. except in the suburbs, yeah. if you've got money, you can live there. Yes. And then you'll, you'll, you'll just block yourself off from the rest of the city, essentially. Yes, yes. You'll be worried about kidnappings mm. of your children mm. by gangsters who want ransom. Uh, shops, uh, will, will, will still sell things, but it's going to be a lot more expensive, a lot more scarce resources, like mm. fresh bread. See that in, in Angola, actually. Right, yeah. right. And, and he, he predicts that Joburg, Durban, uh, the big cities of South Africa will somehow turn out like this because there's, there's, the, the problems are so, so vast that no matter if you, if you're the DA with the best of intentions, you, you have no hope in hell of actually solving them because water is a nightmare. There's no secure, uh, electrical, uh, provided, provider of electricity. Yeah. Things like that. So people will break the law and get but but rule of, rule I mean enforcing rule of law is is probably well, where it the, all starts that's right. That's the key aspect, and even that is is, is shocking. Yeah, well, I, in Joburg specifically. I, I mean, you know, you you, you mentioned Hillbrow, um, and I've 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 worked there, um, and I have cl- very close family who who work there in in a medical um, in medical positions, and it it is very lawless, and uh, you know the, it's violence as well. Um, it's certainly run by certain groups in, in different areas. Um, the police are definitely scared to go into some places. All part of the groups, right? Part of the gangs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it's not, it's not an, it's not an unforeseeable right. possibility. And then so, so for people like us, uh, so for the middle class, you will see waterfall estate becoming like a city in and of itself. Yeah. Right? It's got it's got walls, it's got security, it's got drones, it's got fucking motion detection <laughs> cameras, yeah. and inside you got your mall, your ice rink, and your school and your hospital. And as a as a you live like the expat life, as if you were in Angola, but you living in the country of your birth, South Africa, as a middle class. And your citizen. friend thinks this is going to happen how quickly? Oh, geez, at this rate, between fifteen to twenty years. I don't think that's an unreasonable prediction. No. What do you think the way we fix that is? Like prevent that? So I want to prevent it though. That's the key. Well, yeah. I don't think I do want to prevent it. <laughs> the anarchists wouldn't want to prevent that no. necessarily. No, not really. Um, I don't, I, I don't foresee any potential future where there's, uh, the world, the money and the manpower to fix it. I think it's de facto going to happen. That's already happening, Jonathan. I was, I went to go see, um, a, a new development just for, for interest sake. So you buy a property for three million rand. You buy the land. Okay. You can choose 
three styles of houses. A barn, a fucking, I don't know what. You know, this modern... Country ar- house. Yeah, this modern architecture bullshit, right? Zone 1 was sold out in, in 12 days. And and how many houses is that, do you think, on plots? Zone 1 was a, a few hundred houses. Sure. A few okay. hundred at three, houses. Three, at three million rand Just each. for the land. Just for the land. Yeah. Not for the house. Yeah, and the a house, house is probably... Two million, three oh, million. Easy, easy, yeah. yeah. And you need to pay 20% deposit cash up front mm, mm, to secure it. Sure. Phase yeah. 2 is coming up Hanging now. Around. It's 80%, it's 80% sold out already. This is happening before our eyes. Segregation is happening before our eyes. Because people are voluntarily doing so. Stain City, Danefern, uh, Waterfall Estate, things like that. Th- these, these are responding to market forces. People want a sense of community and mm. a sense of safety. And the market is providing for them. And those little enclaves, which, which is what they will become sooner or later, you will live there, you'll live very well, you'll trade, you'll make money. You'll need your, uh, you know, a secured escort to the, to the airport, hmm. you know, so you can go visit your, your cousin in Germany. You'll, you'll need a, a private escort when you go outside of those, uh, of those enclaves. Um, so the, I, I foresee these enclaves taking on a lot more control of services. They'll have their own generators, their own solar farms, their own water treatment plants, their own schools, own hospitals. And I think, uh, I think it's wonderful. So all the, you know. You think it's wonderful. I think it's terrible. No, I think it's wonderful because I will hopefully live in one of those things, uh, sooner or later. <laughs> but, and that goes back to, to the NDR. They want ESCOM to stay as is. They want SAA to stay as is. They want Translate to stay. No retrenchments in the public sector. Um, as soon as there's a hint of job losses, the minister comes in and says, fuck you. And then the board <laughs> resigns and they start again. There's no hope in hell. ESCOM's going to be, Working, profitable, and mm. viable you, you, anyway. I mean, this was – I actually responded, I think it was to Mark Schussler last week, <laughs> uh, who posted one of those infographics. Uh, someone's finally taken this uh, – I actually tweeted about this more than a year ago where I, I, I compared the number of employees ESCOM had um, and the power generation about a decade ago and um, now – and essentially, it's the exact same power generation from a decade ago with almost double the employees. Yeah. And, you know, it's now someone's made this into an infographic and there's a bit more information there about like how many power stations they're running and other things like that. But what you see is um, output is either the same or slightly down um, and uh, money that they require, uh, so money in loans, money being paid out. Um, by the by, the organisation, not many got an in, and their employees um, have all grown. And you know, Mike was saying, you know, this is terrible and this is inefficient and this is we need to fix. And my point is that they have achieved their goal. Like you think that the goal is efficiency and to run things properly. The goal is not efficiency and to run things properly. People look at SAA and they go, oh, well, SAA employs eight more staff per flight than any other airline on the planet, right? And you're like, yes, that's the goal. The goal, it's socialism, guys. The goal is you give as many people jobs as possible. You redistribute Okay, give as many people jobs as possible, even if it can't be afforded, um, and even if they can't sort of um, uh, sort of rise to those jobs. Um, 
you 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 borrow as much money as you can to inverted commas redistribute the wealth. Um, and 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 so this is part of the plan. This is you see SAA as a failure. You see ESCOM and that output and that expenditure as a failure. That's not a failure. If you are an ardent socialist, if you are Rob Davies, you have achieved success. Rob Davies is opening up a bottle of champagne this Christmas because he looks at those numbers at SAA and ESCOM and everywhere else, and he goes, "Mission accomplished." That's Rob Davies' house is a very shitty-looking Christmas tree, and um, a banner like George Bush had on that on that Air Force that aircraft carrier that says "Mission accomplished." In except not red, white, and blue, in black, yellow, and green. Like it's as simple as that. And and so, um, I I I think the sooner people start to understand that. The better, and I suppose this all leads to the decay you talk about, and 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 people trying to make their own plans. Right, I mean, and it's inevitable. Escom is, if you're an ANC member, Escom is not there to provide electricity at an affordable rate for the country. It's a piggy bank. Yeah. Now, what can I, what? How can I use? Escom to make money for myself. Oh, I'll build a fictitious company and I'll be the middleman between the Escom and the coal mines. Um, and things like that. It's, it's a piggy bank. Imagine you were given access to billions and billions yeah. and billions of rands. It's not, it's not even just access to the billions. It's the ongoing nature of it. It's, a, we're going to give you an organization where guaranteed Guaranteed every month, five million people pay you an amount between a hundred and and a hundred thousand rand. Like, and any loan you take will each. be guaranteed by the state. Yeah. It, it, now, people, just listen. These are not companies in the same way Discovery or Toyota or ExxonMobil are companies. They don't care about profit. They don't care about efficiency. They don't care about costs. And they don't care about the end user either. No, they don't care about the customers either. The incentives of SOEs are so perverse. These are not companies. Just think of them as an extension of uh, the Department of Trade and Industry or the extension of any government department. Expropriation without compensation of your wallet. That's what they are. That's exactly what they are. Um, they are not companies. Don't, don't lump them together with, with companies. We have problems with corporates. As Jonathan and I, we, we have lots of problems with corporates, but these are not even in the same, <laughs> same paradigm, same universe. Yeah. As, as any corporates on the JSE. Uh, they are just there to be, uh, it's a piggy bank. It's a piggy bank. People call it a job. Uh, to get coal from this place to the next. Uh, they know it's more efficient to use the private sector. They know that monopolies are inherently inefficient and will collapse. They know all that and they just don't care because why? Ideology trumps every single time. And the sooner you get that, the sooner you're able to make decisions where you won't need these monopolies in your day-to-day lives. Because these things will collapse, and they are collapsing right now as we speak. And it's not by accident, and it's not because the job is hard. It's not because of the the global economy. No, it's because people wanted them to do it. People wanted them to fail. People stole everything from the beginning. Mm. And after 24 years, it just cannot be sustained anymore. Yeah. And and now we're down a hole. You would have to ask if it's – I mean, if you're a Helen Zilla – um, an ardent Helen Zilla follower. 
and and you know Helen will say the capable state you know Helen will tell you yes Jonathan but what we can do is if you if you vote the DA oh, I can't do a voice I, I need to get Gareth on the show if you vote the DA into power um the DA will will help be a capable state and we will sort this out I'm not sure you can get ESCOM out of a 400 billion rand hole I, I don't think that that's actually doable. No. It's, it's, it's about a third of our annual GDP. Um, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And then if you add, you know, it's not just ESCOM then. You, you add SAA, you add Transnet, you add Prasa. There's 750 SAEs. Yeah. You, you add all of these SOEs onto it. And even if the losses are small, 750 times losses of, let's say, 10 million each. Um, you know, that would be 750 million. And let, and let's be honest, it's probably far more than that. So. It's in the trillions of rands. Absolutely. So I'm not sure we're, we're, we're in a hole that you can get out of. Yeah. I mean, what the DA says and what they do is different. So now they actually went to court very, you know, for a very good thing. They want, they want cities to be able to, uh, contract with independent power providers on their own without going through ESCOM. Yeah. And that sounds to me like secession's on the way. Uh, <laughs> it goes back to the, to the, um, accountability at a city level, own power generation, mm. own water generation. I think day zero has been a godsend to Cape Town. Cause now they're going to be like, cool, we need fucking desalination plants. We need our own water. We can't rely on the ANC government to well, do it. Which it was obvious, but thank God they realized it. Through, thank God they realized it through Watch. inverted commas. Western Cape secession is going. It's on the way. It's exactly, that's exactly what's happening right now. The DA, the DA won't be the ones to do it. Whoever takes over from them, we'll see. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but let's talk a little bit about, um, Johan Rupert. Okay. Let's talk about you. I want to talk about your homeland, but fine. Let's talk about Johan Rupert first. Johan Rupert goes on ENCA. I really wish he would come on this show. Um, we have invited him. I understand obviously there's, he, no decision made by that guy and his advisors would be a flippant sort of, yeah, I'll come on your show. And certainly not from um, one, from a few tweets from the Renegade Report, right? Yeah. So, yes, I'll go. Yeah. These guys sound, sound reasonable. Um, just optics, for example, would be looked at and they'd go, no, he can't go on that show because of optics, for example. Uh, Jonathan, I'm um, going to give the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't know we fucking exist. Uh, truthfully, yes. But even if he did, I still think there right. would be all those kinds of issues, but he goes on ENCA. Uh, there's an interview. I've seen bits and pieces. I can't uh, say I've watched the whole thing. Uh, just not my vibe because for me, it's always going to be slightly scripted. Um, well, of course. Um, and it's always going to, um, you know, be controlled. And I, I hate conversations like that. That's why I enjoy doing the podcast. Uh, but, but look, he, he says really reasonable things. Um, the most controversial of which, well, not controversial, but, well, perhaps, I'm not your father Christmas, right? Um, Quote of the year. But for me, it's, it's, it's an interesting interview because I think it, it's sort of the litmus test in a way of what can be said on a, on a public platform that is watched by many that makes the news and that trends on Twitter, right? So if we are niche. We're still the niche podcast. We do very well, but we're still niche, right? Mm. Johan Rupert says 60% of what we say on a much bigger platform gets reported all over the country. And the, despite what everyone says, the overwhelming reaction is praise. If you look, I don't care about what the columnist said. Yeah, about, I was just oh, going to say. 
A lot of the columnists. Typical white man saying, typical white rich man. Bullshit like that. If you look at the comments, you look at what people have written about it, you look at, I saw a lot of Facebook posts by people that, uh, I see my black, um, all anecdotal, but overwhelmingly, they say, what has he said? What, what, what does he say? That, that's weird. Mm. Push, pushing personal responsibility. A right. lot of what he said. Right. Um, he didn't mention race. He's, talk, he's trying to talk about time preference, which is a very ordinary economic, uh, Basic uh term. Yeah. Uh, that says, do you have a high or low time preference? If you have a high time preference, you consume and you spend very quickly. Low time preference, you save for the long term and you get the reward at the end of the day. That's all he's talking about. And he says millennials have this problem where they spend and consume far too quickly, whereas our parents did otherwise. And that is observably true. Yep. Through savings rates. If you look back before credit cards, people used to save like crazy. My grandparents still save, even though they're very wealthy. Um, my, my domestic worker is 60 years old, Maria. She's got more money in her bank account than I do. And she earns far less than I do. Uh, so there is, there has been a shift. But what is, what is interesting about, about Johan Rupert is the manner he says it. He's still a Afrikaner from the Cape. And he speaks about the Shangan and the blacks and this. And every time he said the blacks, the guy said, no, it's black people. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, black people and white people. He mocked it. And he said, I'm, I'm, I forget that I'm living in the snowflake generation. But the litmus test of that, of that interview was a very successful man that does not, need, does not need to be in this country at all, still chooses to be here. And he says, no matter what I do, the rules change halfway through a deal. I try to build a farm. I try to build a mill. I try to build a dam. The DTI agrees with me. I build it. Then the rules change. Then I'm screwed. Why would I want to stay here? Why would I want to help anyone here? And people called him out and said, oh, but you, you're rich and you don't give out. He says, I, I know what I am. I know I'm not a racist. I know who I am. Yeah. You're, you calling me that means nothing to me. Yeah. I share much more than I use for myself. Um, your words mean absolutely nothing to me. Mm. And that sort of, that sort of attitude, which is mine too, because I know who I am and okay, words hurt. I don't have his money, unfortunately, <laughs> but that sort of attitude was so refreshing. And I think to a lot of people, it, it, it uh how do you explain human humanized that's the word it humanized him and he speaks i think Jan rupert speaks for a large minority of people in this country that i've never heard and that's why it was such you think it's a minority uh, yeah well i don't think people think deeply about what they believe no I, I don't but I, I do think if you were to force people to drill down i think it's a majority i think the majority of people um Embrace their responsibilities in life. Um, I, I, obviously, we've got all kinds of issues with people not embracing responsibility. Fatherless homes, for example, and and um, um, people who are unemployed who are able to work, and but there are barriers to them and all those types of things. But but certainly, we've got problems with people not taking responsibility. But we we do have tens of millions of people who every day they wake up, um, they work hard doing jobs they maybe don't love but they do them because they put food on the table at home uh they they pay their bills as best they can um they do take personal responsibility that's what i got from most of what i saw of the interview i just got this sense of a guy who goes like just be personally i didn't get 
he doesn't say it the same way Jordan Peterson says it, right? <laughs> yeah. And he he doesn't say it the same way Rogan will say it. And he 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 he, he doesn't say it in some respects, even though the same way Trump will say it. Um, but I still get the same essential message, right? Like, just take responsibility, clean your room, like yeah. take responsibility for yourself. Take You're responsibility. Here. It's I'm, a marathon. I'm not here to like yeah. protect you from the world and to save you from yourself or the harsh realities of life. Um, it's not perfect and it, it never will be. And like, Sort your shit out. Yeah, it starts with you. You know, it starts with you. And, and he says, and he says, it's 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 a thirty year journey to get somewhere. It's a thirty year process, a forty year process, a lifetime perhaps. Yeah, to get somewhere. Um, no, I think it was a, a, the interview was 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 shocking, but the interview was very important, mm. and I think um, it hopefully leads to 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 more of these ideas being circulated in the in the public sphere. And um, Mr. Rupert, if you are listening, Dr. Rupert, sorry, if you are listening, or your son perhaps, uh, we would love to have you in our humble uh, studio here at Cliff Central. Or we will happily take an invite to your estate in Stellenbosch. Uh, private jet um, to Switzerland just for the interview. Um, You know, I mean, if it has to be done, it has to be done. I'll go to, to the end of the earth. Mont, to, Mont Blanc pens and to, Cartier watches as as obvious, um, just gifts for the visit. Um, but, but on a related note, it must be so shit. Yes. To be that wealthy, because what do you buy people? Like everyone's got. Uh, what do you buy your friends? Yeah, everyone's got everything. Like at birthday, what do you buy a billionaire? Do you buy him an island? Like it must be tough. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> you, I suppose you you start dealing at higher stakes. You know, this is where we see the sort of elites making political deals and I suppose chasing power in some respects. He hasn't done that. Yeah. But uh what was interesting though, mm. Anton Rupert, his father, mm. was the candidate for the NP to go against Favut. Yeah. He was uh, so Anton was not a he was already wealthy, but he was not a politician. The mm. NP, some elements of it, wanted to bring him in to be the moderate <laughs> opponent of Favut. Unfortunately he lost. Uh or, or there was some reason that mm. couldn't, he couldn't actually run. Quite a different country it would be. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine that. Let's talk quickly uh, global stuff. Uh, it's been quite the year. And let's start with what's happening in France at the moment, a little bit in, in, in the Netherlands as well. Um, so <laughs> you've got – I think you, you posted an interesting uh, image of uh, quite an, a, a, a wide variety of people protesting against what is – um, Emmanuel Macron's government. Um, you know, you've got socialists <laughs> in that bunch. You've got uh, anarcho-capitalists. You've got fascists, it would seem. So you've kind of got the full mix of of political ideologies, um, except for whatever Emmanuel Macron is. Um, globalists. Which is, yeah, elitist globalists, I suppose. And... Essentially, as far as I can tell, what's gone on in, in, in France is that the populace has been taxed to death. Uh, and because France is quite a large populace, um, it is not homogenous by any means really anymore uh, in saying that it's not just like sort of French people in the countryside making cheese and bread. Uh, so there's, it, it, it is quite multicultural, inverted commas. So you don't have the sort of Denmark-Norway model. But they have tried to run this sort of democratic socialist um, state yeah. where the government taxes you a lot of money. 
uh, and in return you supposedly get a whole bunch of services. Um, and it seems that it's got to a breaking point where people are getting taxed so hard that they actually have very little to, act- to actually live. Is that, is that fair? It's actually a little bit simpler than that. So in France, petrol and diesel, there was always a massive price difference between the two. Yeah. So in the 70s and 80s, the eco-mentalist was like, diesel, you know, petrol is a big contributed CO2, whereas diesel isn't. So they put a lot of, I don't know why, they put a lot of taxes on petrol yeah. uh, and fewer taxes on diesel. As and, it turns out, NOx is way worse, but anyway. Right, right. And now, I don't know if this is true, but the Paris Agreement sort of says that we need to increase taxes on, on yes. fossil fuels. For first world countries, it does. Right. Uh, so they want to increase the tax on diesel to make it the same as petrol, the same price. Unfortunately, you've got 30 years of people buying diesel cars because it was a cheaper option because you know people understand and the working class i'm assuming uh yeah mostly but also transportation like mm. huge trucks logistics it's all diesel mm. every i think it's i think it's 60 70% diesel uh french cars are, are diesel yeah. uh, and europe generally diesel is much more popular than petrol so the, he wanted to raise a tax on that uh to make it equal to petrol uh, macron that is and the people weren't having it that was, that was the first element of yes. the things so then macron says Okay, fine. I will take away the the tax on diesel, and then they say, no, but we want to be out of the EU, limit immigration. Yeah, like all so these. This was the interviews I saw where right. people were saying, it, 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 "Yeah, you, the problem is, is you've started the conversation now, basically, yeah. and it's not only about diesel anymore. It's about the fact that when I go home at the end of the month, there's not enough money for like what I need to live." Meanwhile, you're taxing the hell out of me and signing agreements to like save the world from climate change. Yeah, and democratic agreements. And like get fucked basically. So, so here's the conundrum, Jonathan, because we called out fees must fall on this. We yes. said, if it was for fees, we're cool, we get you. But then it's about insourcing of workers, then it's about fucking pay, the patriarchy and all this. Stuff. So we were, we, we called out the double standards there. And in, in any protest, there's never one thing. It's a multitude of things that people. Well, this is the Jason Werbeloff argument, right? Together. There's no such thing as a group. Right. But assuming there are, people do go to one protest for various things. So with some, it's the diesel tax, right? But the, the, the diesel tax was imposed by the EU. So we are actually anti-EU. Oh, but, uh, a lot of taxes are being used on immigrants, so we are anti-immigrants. So all these sort of people come together within one thing um, to protest. So actually, this might be the first protest which I sort of support, in a way. What? Because it's multifactorial, or because because I think it's real. I, I think it's based on 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 a reality uh, that. People like Macron doesn't understand because he's still the, the EU poster boy, the, the centrist liberal who will say France. Yeah, fuck you. 18% approval rating. Uh, Marine Le Pen's at 36% approval rating. Why, why can't France get their leadership right? What, what is it about? Cause they keep, they do do this quite often though. I, you know, you know, Macron's failings aside for a second. This happens all the time. If you look at the progression of the presidential candidates, they all start off at around a 50-odd percent approval rating, and they all drop off after three, four years. And, you know, um, 
then they're no. I don't think anyone in recent times has been as bad as eighteen percent, but they're all sitting in the thirties or, or, or higher upper twenties. Um, but that's quite common in Europe. Yes. Why can't they find a leader that they you know like and actually does what's right for them? Because it's democracy, when the worst go to the top, <laughs> it's not a. It's hardly a surprise. What is interesting though is that. The English are not burning stuff in the streets. Yeah, that was uh, Brendan O'Neill's comment. Which is which is very interesting because Brexit is, seems like oh, they're no subverting democracy. No There's one no wants other way it to, to happen it. except for Jacob Rees-Mogg and Boris Johnson. Yeah, um, and they want a people's referendum now, which is absolute bullshit. Which is hilarious because what was the first thing you notice? How there were people about I think eighteen million of them who voted yeah, for Brexit. The biggest vote in British history. Yeah, more people voted in that than in the general election. Yeah, um, so. And now Brexit's being torn to shit by Theresa May, who we always thought was very weak on yes. this. Yes. Uh, the, I mean, the only s- potential is that she gets axed and they leave with no deal whatsoever. Uh, and Jacob Rees-Mogg meets with Donald Trump and they get some great deals going through that way uh, once he becomes PM. But, uh, yeah, Europe is not in a good spot. And a very good book to read about this, I think I might have mentioned this here, is uh, National Populism, The Revolt Against Democracy by Matthew Goodwin. It explains what national populism is and how it arises. And it's a phenomenal book. And um, I think national populism is here to stay because it's about more democracy, not less. Yeah. Despite what everyone else – it's not about Nazism or fascism. It's about having more democracy. Yeah, be- be- because what's happened over time is that the political class has become its own ruling elite, yeah. uh, completely disconnected from the average uh, voter. And so the average voter is rebelling against that. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. But, but it's, 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 it's about the ability to change your country in the way that you want to change it under the normal democratic mechanisms that have always worked before. Mm. And that has been taken away, has been eroded very slowly over, uh, since the 1970s. And now people are rightfully pissed off about it and rightfully angry that these agreements that they don't, they don't agree with, that they've, they've never seen in their whole life is determining the, the why their fuel is, is so high, mm. so expensive. Yeah. Uh, so that's the conundrum they, national populism tries to, tries to, to solve. And if you look at, uh, Salvini in Italy, uh, the Hungarian chap, I forgot his name, and the one in Austria and in Spain now, the right wing just won, and Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil. National populism is back with a huge vengeance. And I can't speak for the future, but I hope it leads to more democracy, mm. more accountability, more transparency than before. But power tends to corrupt, absolutely. So we'll see. Yeah, Still and there the are some dangerous figures in that, in that group. Um, Lastly, I just want to talk. Uh, we need to finish. We need to finish soon. But I want to talk quickly about Donald Trump um, <laughs> because it's kind of an interesting. We, we basically next year is just going to be election stuff. Um, you, from pretty much uh, April May, they're going to start for the 2020 elections. Um, they're going <clears> to <throat> primaries will only be the following year, but they're all going to start launching their campaigns. To give you context, if this was. Uh, just before the 2016 uh, elections, um, it, it it would have been June of this coming year that Donald Trump would have said, "I'm I'm running." So that's the yeah. year we're entering. Eighteen months before, and remember, yeah. he entered the race late when there were already like eleven or twelve people in the Republican side. So, um, just 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 on it, uh, a couple of things I find quite interesting about what's happening in the U.S. 
Uh, one is is the repeated bombshells that uh, don't seem to do anything. Uh, so you keep having these bombshells about how this happened to Trump or his lawyer is testifying for the FBI. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting what this this Mueller report is going to come out soon, and and um, I, I don't think it's going to be what either side expects, frankly. Um, so I think that'll be quite interesting. Um, and I don't think Donald Trump's going anywhere unless the economy tanks. He has fiddled a little bit with that uh, because of his trade uh, shit, which we've spoken about on the show and we don't really uh, agree with. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wondered if you had any reflective points on it because the guy's been in office for essentially more than two and a half years now. It, it's going on. No, it's two years. Sorry, two, be two years sorry, in January. So two years. That's right. Sorry, two years in January. So it's two years. Um, the fear mongering certainly hasn't happened. Um, hasn't <laughs> a, lot of it, a lot of it was quite. It hasn't stopped, but uh, you know, it, it, almost everything that was said has not occurred. Um, do you think we're getting to a, a normalization a little bit, where people are like, okay, fine, we hate him, but like. He's not literally Hitler, and he hasn't set up those concentration camps for gay people. And Mike Pence isn't literally electrocuting gay people in the street, and women aren't in the Hands Made Tale. Although the the, the Christmas trees in the White House were epic, um, red Christmas trees with Melania Trump and someone photoshopped the Hands Made Tale outfit on, which is great. Um, but but uh, do you think like things are starting to like get a little bit more normal, where people are like, okay, fine, he's the president we hate. End of story. Um, I, I hope not. <laughs> Uh, I have this deeper polarization uh, going forward. No, polarization is really important in a democracy, especially a strong one like like the US. Uh, no, I just think they're sort of getting used to how he behaves. Hmm. Like now he called out. It's not so shocking. He called out Rex Tillerson for being a loser. And he was the terrible secretary. I think he of, said he was moronic. Something like that. Then, dumb as a rock. Dumb right, as a rock was, right, was what he right. said. But no. remember, Rex had previously said Donald Trump was uh, the biggest idiot he'd ever met or something like that. Right. But this, but Donald Trump was his boss and he appointed Rex Tillerson. So mm. it tells you a little bit more about the, the, the chaotic <laughs> nature of Trump. Uh, and if, if America is America Inc. and Trump is the CEO – you fire lots of people in companies. They keep coming in and out. It's, it's, it's normal that this sort of stuff happens. Um, I think Trump has had a particularly good year. Uh, I think the North-South Korea thing it seems to bear some fruition. Um, I think the, the, the migrant caravan thing worked out in his favor. He killed ISIS. Uh, that was last mostly. year. That was last year. And that was mostly Iraq, if we're really honest, uh, rather than that. Uh, Syria's out of the news completely. Mm. No one talks about Syria anymore. Well, there haven't been there haven't been major terrorist attacks this year for the most part. Yeah, that's true. Uh, remember, we had uh, major terrorist attacks for a long time: shootings in major cities, um, terrorist attacks in major uh, tourist locations, and that has really, really, for a, to a large extent. I'm not saying it's gone. Yeah. But at the rate it was happening, it's it's really um, disappeared. And, and I found that he's. I think China blinked with the trade war stuff. Uh, they really have. So he's won the first hurdle. Uh, I don't. Donald Trump is is a tariff guy. If, if he doesn't he said, like he, he said you, he's tariff man. He's what tariff is man, right? The worst superhero since <laughs> yes. since I don't know who. Uh, since since Venom. If you if you no. want to watch the worst movie of the year, watch Venom. Uh, it's, rubbish. It's Venom awful. was highly enjoyable. Don't the, listen the to Roman. Yeah. Tom Hardy. No, it's yeah, absolute shit. Absolutely enjoyable. That is a blight on Donald Trump's presidency that a movie like that could be released uh, during his <laughs> tenure. But I think he's, I think he's had a, a quite a good year. Um, and I, 
I listen to a lot of American podcasts about about the media, Donald Trump, and all that. Uh, I, yeah, I want them to fight, man. Uh, I, I want them to fight. It, I think it's good for democracy to fight. As I said, when you first got elected, I support Donald Trump for two reasons: one, he's effective, and number two, hopefully, people will become suspicious of executive power. Hmm. And they have been, but only in the last two years. Whereas, and they keep falling over themselves when they put kids in cages and the pictures from like 2014. You're like, you know, that's under like Obama, right? It's like, oh shit, I didn't know. Well, there you go. Yeah. It points out the, the, uh, the blindness to reporting. You only report when you don't like the person as opposed to reporting on principle. So I hope that, I hope the polar, polarization Carries on. Well, then let's hope he wins twenty twenty. If he wants it to carry on, yeah, I think, I think it's important. Cause, for, cause I, it's important for democracy. I, I do wonder. I mean, yeah. the guy's been insane. In, I say that loosely, but I know you need to go. We'll fit wrap it up now. But just to say that he's been like no other U.S. president. Put it that way. Certainly in his public profile, his tweets, his the way he talks, the way he reacts to things, um, the way he goes about his job, he has been definitely completely different. And I. I wonder what a Trump in a second term who doesn't need to win re-election would be like. I wonder what that unleashes. I don't think it unleashes the fascists. So, I, I, and I know that that's what the screaming is going to be about. Um, but I'm interested to know, you know, from a governmental perspective, um, in terms of the policy he's done, he's been very conservative. Most most yeah. conservatives in America will tell you he's been more conservative than anyone they've had in the modern era. Including Reagan. And he's racked so, up a trillion, so, a trillion dollar debt. So yeah. he's very Republican in that way. <laughs> so the, the point is, 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 is the policy that he's pushed through has been very conservative. It'd be interesting to see where that goes. Um, I, I'd just be interested to see a second term, but, but yeah. But, but I think, but really, I think, I think democratic states are, are, are turning to strong men. Uh, so we had technocrats before. Yeah. Now we've got strong men mm. coming. A la Putin, but with, because you're misogynist, they no strong woman. Well, the strong woman, the Croatian one is very strong, the, the president. But we are, we are voting in personalities more than technocrats or things like that. So Obama was a personality, so is Trump. But if you look at, once again, the national populist stuff, the Salvinis, the Bolsonaros, the, I keep forgetting the one in Hungary and the one in Austria, uh, we, 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 Looking at a strong man democracy where this person encapsulates what we want from a leader. Uh, not because he's the most intelligent or the most. Orban, I think. Victor Orban. Yes, Orban. Mm. And he's a, he's a bastard of note, Orban. Mm. But not because they're eloquent or they speak well or they're manicured or, or, or the most intelligent person there. They're sort of what, when we envision someone taking charge, we're looking at that bull in the china shop thing. Uh, and that's going to be a very interesting next couple of years. Cause things are going to stay for a while. Mm. We're going to get the, the candidate that we want to be leader because they have leadership qualities, not because they the best or the most eloquent. And that's yeah. going to be a, a new way of looking at them. And, and they, they want to do a certain thing and they're prepared to stick to that. They, right. they don't care if it's unpopular, uh, especially outside of their country. <laughs> you know, because that's been a thing. Like, yeah. I mean, this the is the UN problem. Says we can't do this. The UN says, or the EU says, or no, like, no, um, say, well, fuck, and the, fuck the, the citizens of the country going, uh, yeah, we don't give a shit. That's best yeah. for us. Yeah. And you're in, you're in charge of us, not you don't do for what's good for the world. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. So that's the end of the show for the year. And it's been a phenomenal year for us. 
Yes. Uh, to be honest, I think we've, we've grown massively. We've grown over a hundred percent this year. Yeah. Uh, based on the downloads we saw. And that's possible, for, you know, because, uh, we are brilliant and, uh, because <laughs> most importantly, because our listeners, um, tune in and, and share with friends and family and, and enemies and yes. everyone else who, who they share with. And all over the world. Got a, we got an email over the weekend from Simon in, in, in the UK telling us that, uh, loves what we're we doing and, um, has been sharing our, our, our podcast with family and friends. Yeah, we get, but I got, I got some from, from Saudi Arabia, uh, from Alaska. Well, the guy from Alaska came to live here. Yeah. He did. <laughs> After listening to us. So we just want to say thank you to, to everyone who listens to us. We hope you find it useful. We hope that we're able to articulate points that you won't hear elsewhere, not because they're weird or controversial, but because people, don't really understand what's going on and we hope we give you a, a fuller picture of, of what's going on locally and internationally and next year's a big year for us we're turning three and you know when when you are three you you start to not walk and you start to run and we've got a lot of plans in the pipeline hopefully make this a lot bigger a lot better uh to to please you and um and to fight the battle of ideas on, on your behalf. We are very happy to do that. Awesome. And uh, from my side, thank you very much for your support over the year. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, we'd be speaking to no one if it wasn't for your downloads. We really do appreciate it. Um, thank you to everyone who's given feedback over the year. Um, we appreciate that as well. And we do take it on board, uh, provided it's not completely useless. And, and we're not, we understand we're not perfect uh, yeah. by any means. Yeah. We do fuck up sometimes. Sometimes the show is not good. Sometimes, you know, these, these sort of things happen. We try to maintain the standard. And if you're honest with us, we appreciate that tremendously. Absolutely. And as always, if you enjoy the show and you'd like to contribute something towards uh, its ongoing health, uh, we are for the moment on Patreon. Uh, we will look at other options, but you can find us on Patreon, Renegade Report there. Uh, you can always follow us on the different social media apps. So we're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, Renegade underscore report, on Facebook, a page and a group. The group is where we have sort of discussions about various things. And as always, Ramon at Roman Kabanek, myself at Jonathan underscore with. Thank you so much for an excellent 2018. We will see you mid-January 2019. As always, cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.